Welcome to BSD Talk number 71. It's Thursday, September 28, 2006. My last interview was about NetBSD prep, and I actually happened to get a hold of a prep machine last night. It's a uh, 7025 F40, and holy smokes, is that thing big and extremely heavy. So now I need to find a way to get this thing shipped out to Arizona from Maine. I don't even know if it's economically possible or if I'll be able to even carry that back out of my house. But it should be an interesting adventure, either getting NetBSD on it or having it shipped halfway across the country. Now for our interview, which brings us over to Iceland. Today on BSD Talk, I'm speaking with Einar Einarsson, and you are with Frisk Software. Welcome to the show. Thank you. I called you today because I was interested in one of your products that is listed as working with the BSDs, among other Unix and Unix-like operating systems, and that is right. the antivirus product that you offer. Could you right. describe what that is and where it works? Yeah, well, we do have different versions for, for different Unix operating systems. Um, we have uh, what we call a yeah, workstation release, which is pretty much just a command line scanner, and uh, we offer that on all the Unix platforms that uh, anyone has ever shown interest in purchasing or, or using. And uh, we also have a mail server edition for, uh, well, mail servers. And I think we also have that on pretty much everything. What we offer on Linux and uh, are working on getting onto FreeBSD is uh, the file server edition, which uh, allows on-access scanning as well. But uh, that's like only on Linux and soon to be on FreeBSD as well. And what do you do at Frisk Software? I mainly make sure that the scanning engine that powers all the products runs correctly on, on all the Unixes, and uh, I do porting and plug-in architecture work on top of that. To make it sure, that I actually create products on, on top of the engine. I think a common question that people ask is, why have antivirus <laughs> protection for the open-source operating systems or the Unix-like operating systems? Well, most of the time when people are interested in this, this is because many Unix operating systems are used to, to provide Samba for, for Windows workstations. And so they may actually store the uh, shared folders on, on Unix, even though they're only accessed from Windows. And uh, these often act as mail servers as well. So we are mostly just scanning Windows viruses on, on the Unix platforms. You're scanning viruses that are passing through the Unix systems, but they aren't necessarily right. viruses that target the Unix systems. No. Since I started here three or four years ago, I've, I've yet to see a, a malware come forth that I have any, any significant impact on, on Unix systems. So this is mostly just to keep the Windows computer safe. Yeah, your website has a virus database. And when I went to look for Unix, I saw that there were a total of two listed in your database, <laughs> and they were from exactly. the year 2002. Yeah, that uh, pretty much sums it up. I think uh, I spoke with the virus lab guys the other day, and uh, I think they know about, I think, eight Unix-specific viruses, but none of them is in the wild, and uh, none of them has to be in the wild list. I think these two are the only two that are, are tested for, for certifications and stuff like that. Yeah, it looks like there's Scalper for BSD and Slapper yeah. for Linux, which both take yeah. advantage of a problem in the Apache web server. Exactly, yeah. What 
platforms does your antivirus software run on? We uh, support Linux on S3 now, um, on uh, x86, on uh, PowerPC. Uh, I'm working on a MIPS version now for OEM, AMD64, of course. Then we have uh, Solaris on both Intel and on Spark. And uh, we have AIX on their very old platforms, too. Yeah, I think that covers the hardware platforms, at least. I think it said for the BSDs, it's x86 and Spark. I think we're only doing x86 on on the BSDs at, at the moment. But when you combine all the hardware platforms with all the operating systems on top, it's, it's more than 20 platforms that we have to test and certify on. And what other dependencies does your product have? The actual antivirus itself doesn't depend on anything except the C library, of course. But uh, we use Perl for the updating, and uh, we also use Perl to uh, kind of make a bridge or a layer between the mail servers themselves and the scanning. And uh, those two depend on a couple of Perl modules that are usually installed or, or installable via CPAN. So it's pretty much a standalone. Uh, what's the typical way to run updates for the product? Most people just do it through Chrome tab entries, where you simply uh, make them once or twice a day, check for updates. It's uh, HTTP protocol. You can get them via FTP too, but uh, it's uh, pretty much straightforward. You mentioned that you were working on bringing a file system product that allowed on-access scanning. But until yeah. that happens, how do you currently scan on the open source operating systems? Well, we do have on-access scanning for Linux on x86. And we do it by uh, intercepting open and uh, read calls from the client. So if you're running a Samba server, you load the preloadable library called wrapper, as we call it. And um, <clears throat> uh, it intercepts all the open and read calls that you get to before they pass it to the kernel. We do scan the file and simply return access denied if we find anything. But we're working on trying to integrate a more platform-neutral solution, so we include other Unixes as well. But um, I don't think we've ever had a customer request from the BSD community to, to allow this. It's 90% Linux users and maybe 10% Solaris that have been asking for this. So without the on-access scanning, it's just a matter of specifying which files that you want to scan. Yeah, pretty much. There's also in uh, all the server versions that we have a daemon scanner, so you can... You can actually interface by uh, issuing an HTTP request on the localhost and say, scan this file. It will return an HTML or XML response saying what, what was found, if anything. And for the mail servers, you can add yourself as a send mail filter or something like that? Yeah, we do provide a, a MILTER program, and uh, we do support other MILTER programs to use this interface as well. And for Postfix, we uh, actually support two mechanisms to scan there. We can run a dedicated scanning Postfix instance. So the first instance forwards all the mail to the second instance that scans it and puts it in the queue. And for QMail, we actually just replace the QMail queue program. So QMail gets mail, tries to put it in the queue where we scan it and the rest of the work. And speaking of mail, looking at the documentation, mm -hmm. it looks as though you know one of the traditional issues with Unix mailboxes is that they use a single file. I mean, not all mail server software does that, but the traditional inbox format. That can cause yeah. problems because a single infected attachment essentially means the entire mailbox is listed as an infected file. Yeah, right. Well, that's a problem that we actually decided not to try to solve because it's extremely hard to do it efficiently. So we can, we can scan the mailbox. That's not a problem, and we can uh, decode it and all of that, but... To disinfect inside it is, is really, really hard. And the architecture of the scanning engine has, has problems doing with, well, 
it's actually related to, to how we handle archives. We kind of uh, decode them bit by bit. So to uh, maintain integrity, if you're going to disinfect, you would have to rewrite the whole thing. And uh, since there's no real upper limit on how big these archives can get, it's really not efficient to try to disinfect inside them. And from a developer perspective, it seems like you have a pretty big job trying to deal with the different versions of Unix and Unix-like operating systems and combining yeah. that with the variety of hardware platforms that these things run on. How difficult yeah. is it to program in the Unix world in a you know, multiple OS and multiple architecture world? I actually find it quite easy. We've got two guys that are doing the Windows version, and uh, from what I, where I'm standing, they have, a, they have a lot harder time to actually make sure that the Windows version between, you know, 98 or NT and 2000 or what have you, that they all work. But uh, what I do is usually I either make uh, the Linux version work well or the Solaris version work well, and the porting from all, everything else from that is trivial. We did make the engine trying to kind of uh, byte order independent, and uh, we wrapped most of the commonly used C library calls, such as malloc and uh, open and close and everything like that, into callback functions. So I believe I have maybe two or three implementations of two or three functions. I have separate header files for each platforms, but that's about it. Do you statically link your binaries? Where it's appropriate, yes. We have to provide our dynamic link libraries for Linux because of the TPO. Um, but uh, we try to provide our statically linked libraries as well, so people who don't floppy disks and uh, scan machines that maybe won't even boot. It's kind of different for each platform what we have to do. And I don't know how much you're involved with the decision to port to other operating systems, but you know, mm. were you around during the decision to make a BSD version? I came into this company when uh, the porting work, work was mostly done. They had released a couple of versions, but. Uh, from a way of understanding, I think the decision was that there was, a, there was quite a demand for Linux versions, both because uh, people want to use them on their servers and because Linux was kind of creeping in on the desktop and uh, the newbie users didn't feel safe unless they had an antivirus as well. Plus, other people wanted to dual boot and wanted to be able to scan the Windows partitions using the Linux booting. So once we had the Linux port ready, and uh, it, was, it was very trivial to support all the other ones as well. And we figured it was just you know, a kind of a courtesy move to do that. It wasn't an extra effort, and uh, some people found it useful. Do you have any sense of how many downloads or how many users you have on the BSDs? I don't have the raw data, but uh, maybe a year ago I looked at how many clients were, were connecting for updates, and that was just a handful. I think we had uh, a couple of hundred users on, on FreeBSD, and uh, the other ones were in the tens, OpenBSD and NetBSD. So it does run on, on the other versions of BSD also? Oh, yeah. How much does it cost? I guess it depends on what version you're getting. It depends totally on the version you're getting, and uh, I believe the uh, licensing is, is uh, user-based. The workstation version is free. You can download that and use it as you will. And uh, I know there, are, there are quite a few open-source projects that uh, actually incorporate this free version into their products. They don't distribute it. They can't do that, but uh, they have hooks and, and plugins, so you can use it. I guess that would make Maybe. it very convenient for making a bootable CD in order to scan... Windows. Exactly. I actually got an ISO image not that long ago from one of those no-name Linux live CDs that I <laughs> included the product, and I was quite surprised. Now, you work on the engine and, and on the porting. How much do you deal with trying to deal with the detections of viruses and deconstructing what viruses are doing? Not at all. 
Uh, we have a dedicated uh, virus lab that does that, and then we have three engine guys that don't do anything else except, you know, uh, do better emulation or, or, or find new ways to detect exploits or, or malware heuristically. It's a definition of this approach to have a signature file or a definition file for viruses that's um, really not optimal, but I, I, don't, I don't get into that at all. When you talk to the people that are tracking viruses, do you get the sense that things are getting better or worse? For the past few months, they've been kind of kind of slow, but uh, that may just be because of the summer. Seems like the virus writers seem to have a holidays like everybody else. <laughs> so, but for the past few years, well, for example, when I joined in 2003, there was a huge uptake. They had this uh, epidemic after epidemic of, of malware getting loose. So, but it's been it's been calming down for the past few months at least. And what about the difference between viruses and spyware, and which ones do you deal with? It's kind of hard to say, because what is spyware and what is not is actually a kind of a legal term now. For example, in the new engine that we're distributing to OEMs, we haven't, we haven't put out the unification yet, we do have detection for adware and spyware and unwanted applications, but we cannot really legally enable that detection unless the user explicitly tells us to. What is a spyware in one, for one person may not be for the next one. For example, um, remote administration tools on, on Windows, Black or Fires was, was the first one, I think. That's a useful administration tool for the people who want to use it, but uh, if it's installed without your consent, then it becomes spyware and backdoors. Another thing is scripts and macros. Does your scanner yeah. look within Unix scripts or Perl scripts? We do that. We do have a script emulator who tries to emulate most sorts of scripts, but I don't think that we have been uh, active enough in trying to determine is this script potentially dangerous because um, what we're mostly do dealing with are, are scripts that are we, we know what they look like and we know if they're polymorphic or if they're static, and we look for those. And some scripts, and especially macros, of course, in Office documents, these we emulate really, really well and go to extra length, but... I don't think we do that for, for Bascris that much. Yeah, and besides, me, I, I don't know how we would, really. Yeah, when I see break-ins to Unix or Unix-like web servers, quite often it's you know a mistake in some web application that ends up downloading a Perl script that runs a yeah. backdoor to an IRC channel. No, I've seen that too, but it's really very hard to, to get because most of the time these are exploits in PS code or some other web application, like you said, that um, allows this download. But uh, we really never see these files. We are not scanning on the, on the network layer, so to speak. So this never touches the file system. It never it never touches our scanner, really. So we have really little little things to do with it. We actually have been discussing that we should put more effort in rootkit detection, but uh, we haven't gotten there yet. Now, working in the antivirus industry, does it make you paranoid, or does it make you feel safe <laughs> knowing that you have a product you trust? I feel pretty safe. We've been scoring 100% on, on most of our, our reviews and certifications, and uh, I know for a fact that our engine and our scanning methods are really, really good. But uh, seeing most of the infections happen because users don't uh, do the right thing at the right time. So, yeah, it makes me a little bit paranoid when I see clueless users on Windows boxes doing what they usually do, but, uh, but I'm pretty confident in, in this product, so... And what about your personal use of Unix or Unix-like operating systems at work and at home? Are you running Windows everywhere and just developing on Unix? I haven't used Windows since uh, 1999, I think. 
that was the time when MT decided that all the network traffic should go to my loudspeakers, and I had a headphone on. That was my last day with Windows. <laughs> so I guess that for you personally, viruses aren't too much of an issue then? No, never have been. And besides, uh, for example, uh, the main virus researcher, he, I don't think he actually runs uh, any virus software at home on his Windows box because uh, he just scans it regularly. He wants to find new malware if, if it infects his box soon. But uh, he says that uh, 95 to 98% of the things you avoid simply by not doing stupid things. And if people do find new pieces of malware or viruses, how can they yeah. notify your company in order to get that included in the definitions? Uh, we have an email address that is viruslab at fpot.com. These messages are never filtered by any automatic means, so that's where we get sent samples. We also share the samples with several other vendors, so uh, if one of us gets a sample, we have a definition maybe 10 minutes or 15 minutes later, usually. All right. Well, are there any other topics that you wanted to talk about today? No, I think I'm pretty good. All right. Well, thank you for speaking with me today, and thank you for your support of all the operating systems that you're working on. And for this particular podcast, thank you for providing a port for the BSDs. Oh, thank you very much. If you'd like to leave comments on the website or reach the show archives, you can find them at bsdtalk.blogspot.com. Or if you'd like to send me an email, you can reach me at bitgeist at yahoo.com. That's B-I-T-G-E-I-S-T at yahoo.com. Thank you for listening. This has been BSD Talk number 71.